Brother Wilson said, number 470 will be the invitation song this morning after our study. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 8 with me, please. Hebrews chapter 8. We'll be beginning there in the first few verses in just a few moments. It is a blessing to be back home. I missed you much. Um, while I was away in Africa, I can honestly say I had a great time. Uh, it was a great experience. I enjoyed almost every minute of it. There were a few things that uh, were a little different. Uh, number one, the first thing that I saw when we left the airport in Kasumu, Kenya, we pull out of the airport parking lot and there's this big cow standing right in the middle of the road. All by itself, no human beings around, just a big cow standing there in the middle of the road. We had to honk, and the cow moved on. We went about 200 feet, and another big cow walks out in the middle of the road. We saw cows and cows. Brother Sharp laughed and laughed and laughed at me, because every time I'd see a cow, I'd, cow! And he thought that was hilarious, I guess, because he laughed and laughed and laughed, because I was amazed there were cows in the road everywhere. Cows, goats, sheep. Yeah, and a lot of others, and a lot of people. Uh, it's an amazing experience. The roads were absolutely terrible. I felt like my, I, I'm, I'm glad that I did not drink soda pop while I was there because I would have spewed. <laughs> it was, I was shaking so much. It was, an, it was uh, rather bumpy. But other than those inconveniences, oh, and the food was all right. Uh, there were some things that were not on, um, <laughs> Not on my diet, of course. I didn't eat any fresh vegetables, any fresh fruit the whole time that I was there. Didn't drink any of their water. So I'm healthy. I got through it all just fine. Any, anything that was cooked, I would eat, including last night that we were in Mosey, Tanzania. Uh, they called us outside. I mentioned this in Bible class this morning. They called us outside, and we go out, and there's the cutest little goat you ever saw. He was just as pretty and cute. Meh, meh. And uh, that was our supper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pamela Brooks, the lady that went with Michelle, she just turns red in the face and she goes back in the house and I walk back in. She's standing in the corner with her hands over her ears, <laughs> refusing to listen to that poor little sheep or that, that goat. Um, it started, it, it didn't cry much, but that was, that was an experience, I'll tell you. So a lot of things, we'll make a report and I'll give it to you uh, in the future. I just received the financial report this morning. And uh, also, I've got to get some pictures off of my camera so I can show you the brethren there and introduce them to you. And we'll do that, Lord willing, next Sunday evening. So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for being with us today. It's a blessing, as I said, to be back. And thank you, Brother Rufus Thor, for filling in for me as preach in preaching. Uh, also for Brother Roger Payne, who taught on Sunday mornings in the Bible class, and Brother Brent Sharp who filled in for me on Wednesday evenings. Certainly appreciate all of you men, very capable, and you are very much appreciated. Thank you. Something that we did talk about quite a bit in Kenya was the Church of the Lord. Uh, we talked about it in Moshi also, in Tanzania. We talked about the Church of the Lord. And the need for us to understand what the Church is I think is extremely important because if we do not know what the church is, what the church is supposed to look like, what the church is supposed to be doing, if we don't know what the scriptures say about that, then we're going to be ignorant of the facts. And all of the churches that are out there in the world um, don't look so bad or wrong to us. In fact, we will not know the difference between a church that's following the Lord and all the churches that are not. I think it is very important then that we understand what the church is. The blueprint for the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is found in the New Testament. And we need to follow that blueprint. We need to follow the pattern that was given to us. In the book of Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 3, the Hebrew writer says, For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, therefore it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. Talking about Jesus. For if we were on earth, for if he were on earth, he would not 
be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. I'm talking about the tabernacle under the old covenant. This instruction was given to him on Mount Sinai, and he was told to make all things according to the pattern. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mount, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. That is, Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, the gospel, which was established on better promises, the spiritual promises. In fact, if you were to go on down into chapter 9, and you see verse 11, It says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of bulls and goats, or the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. The tabernacle that Jesus built is the church. This tabernacle was not made with hands. It is a spiritual institution. It is not made with brick and mortar or wood or steel. It is made of people. People who come out of the world by accepting the call of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are added to the body of Christ, the church. We need to understand what that church is and realize that it is also must be according to the pattern. In fact, the Lord's church is built according to the pattern that's found in the New Testament. Other churches are not built according to the pattern. And that's how you can tell the difference. One is built according to the New Testament instruction. The others are not. That's important to understand. There is what is called the seed principle in the Bible. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. When God made plants, vegetation, animals, humans, we know that seed produces after its own kind. That's always been the case. It always will be the case. Seed produces after its own kind. If you want corn, you have to plant corn seed or go to the market. Of course, You can go to Walmart and you can buy corn. You can go down to the store and you can buy corn. But listen, that corn was first planted in the ground using a corn seed. And that corn stalk came up and produced corn. You cannot plant peas and expect to get corn. In order to get corn, you have to plant corn seed. In In order to get tomatoes, you have to plant tomato seeds. In order to get watermelons, you have to plant watermelon seeds. While I was in Kenya and Tanzania, I saw a lot of maize, corn, I saw a lot of tomatoes, and I saw a whole bunch of watermelons, and I just couldn't eat any of it, and it made me mad, or it upset me, because I see all this watermelon, all the food that was available there that I could not eat was um, trying for me. I hope go to Sam's tomorrow and get me a big juicy watermelon, I may eat the whole thing. But if you want watermelons, you have to plant watermelon seeds. Same thing is true in religion. If you want an atheist, what do you have to do? I think the first thing you have to do is empty your mind completely of all reason. If you want to be an atheist, you have to get dumb. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. You have to forget the things that are right in front of you. You have to not notice the evidence that's so clear It slaps you upside the face. Even Richard Dawkins realized that the evidence that exists appears, from all perspectives, it appears to have one master designer. Richard Dawkins said that. But you know what? Then he turns around and says, but we now know different. No, we don't know different, Mr. Dawkins. You have to look at the evidence. Don't close your eyes to it. It screams designer. But if you want to be an atheist, you have to reject the seed of God's Word and you have to believe the human philosophies of men. You have to accept pseudoscience and you have to ignore the evidence. If you want to be a Buddhist, for example, you have to read the writings of Buddha or what's professed to be the writings of 
Buddha, the word of Buddha. If you want to be a Hindu, you have to read the Vedas and other writings of, many of the writings, of course, uh, ancient writings in India, you have to read the Koran if you want to be a Muslim. The Koran, when taken into one's heart and believed, makes him or her a Muslim. Saw a lot of Muslims on my trip. A lot of mosques. It's kind of unnerving to see all of the Muslims walking around you. Studied with some Muslims in Tanzania, in Moshi, Tanzania. That was a great privilege. We talked about Jesus Christ and who Jesus is. They believed that Jesus was a great prophet. But then we went to Moses and we explained how Moses, who they also receive as a prophet, but Moses spoke of Jesus as to who he was. This would be the great prophet that everyone would listen to. And they believe, of course, Deuteronomy 18.18 is fulfilled in Muhammad. No. The New Testament is very clear. Jesus himself said that he is that prophet. Except you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. The Jews, they believe the Torah, the law of Moses. In order to be a Jew, you have to believe the Torah. And you have to reject the New Testament. But Christians believe all of the Scripture. We believe the Old Testament. One of the questions that we received while we were in, in Korea, or Karori, say that right, Karori, was uh, what about the Old Testament? Can we teach the Old Testament? Well, sure, it's the Word of God. And the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. And we accept the New Covenant of Jesus Christ. These are our instructions. And we follow Jesus. But if you want to be a Christian, you have, listen, you have to hear the words of Christ and you have to follow them. Seed produces after its own kind. Blueprints are very similar. Blueprints are in construction, which I, was, which I did for 17 years, are the drawings of a building or the principles upon which a building is to be built, rules and instructions that are to be followed. When blueprints are followed, they will always result in the, being, in the building being what the designer intended for it to be. The blueprints are based off the designer's intent, and they are instructions for the one doing the building. If we build according to the pattern, then we will, re- we will have what the pattern was intended to produce. If you did not build according to the pattern, the building would be rejected. Again, the same thing is true in religion. If you want to be a Catholic... If you want to have a Catholic church, you have to have the Catholic catechism as its foundation. That's its blueprint. There are some scripture that's taken in, but there's also the human tradition that is added to the scripture. In fact, hundreds and thousands of years of human tradition. If you want to be a Jehovah's Witness, you have to accept their perverted New World translation of the Bible. Four men who sit on that translating committee... Only one of them knew a little Greek and a little Hebrew. Only one. And he could not even translate a sentence of Hebrew in a court of law. But yet he was one of four translators of the New World Translation. The other three knew no Greek at all. One of those translators eventually turned against the Jehovah Witnesses. And I almost had the opportunity to interview him on our radio program a few years ago. But he passed away. And uh, he was currently living in Atlanta, Georgia. And we had that opportunity to talk with him. Um, Dwayne Graham at KMTL set the interview up, and he passed away just before that interview was to take place. The Mormon church. If you want to be a Mormon, if you want to be, have a Mormon church, you have to have the Book of Mormon. You cannot have a Mormon church without the Book of Mormon. A Presbyterian church is built upon the confession of faith. You have to have the, the, their confession, their creed book. 
The book of discipline is the creed book for the Methodist church. You cannot have a Methodist church without the book of discipline. A Baptist church, whether they acknowledge it or not, they have creed books. The Baptist faith and message and other writings. They teach what the Baptist church is supposed to do, what it's supposed to believe. And you cannot have a Baptist church unless you follow those teachings. Now listen. What is it that separates the Catholic Church, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, the Presbyterians, the Methodists, the Baptists, and you could go on and on with all the other denominations? What is it that separates one group from the other? It's the blueprint. It's the teaching. That's what separates them. You cannot teach a group of people the Baptist faith and message and as a result of teaching them that faith and message from that, ba that Baptist book, if they believe that and they follow that, they will not be a Catholic. They will not be Jehovah Witnesses. They won't be Mormons or Presbyterians or Methodists. They will be Baptists. If you want a Mormon church, you have to teach the Book of Mormon. You cannot teach people uh, the Book of Discipline from the Methodist church to some folks, and they believe that, they receive that, they follow that, and be Mormons. It, they, it can't happen. The blueprint makes them different. The teaching is what makes them different. It separates one group from another. That's why it is so important for us to follow the Bible and nothing else. No addition. No confessions, no disciplines, no rules of faith, no party statements, just the Bible. I hear this all the time. What does the Church of Christ teach about this? What does the Church of Christ teach about that? Listen, the Church of Christ, if it is a Church of Christ, which has absolutely no formal creedal statement, no doctrine of itself, simply is to teach what the Bible teaches. A Christian is simply to believe and teach what the Bible teaches. What does the Church of Christ teach about this? The Church of Christ does not have a teaching per se. The Church of Christ is the result of the teaching of the New Testament. And any church is simply to be the pillar and ground of the truth. That is, it is to uphold the truth of God. That's all. Nothing else. What does the Bible say? That should be the question. It's not what does the Church of Christ teach. It's what does the Bible teach. What does the Lord Jesus Christ teach. What do His disciples, His apostles teach. Unscriptural churches do not just use the Bible. The Lord's Church uses only the Bible. Its faith is based upon what the Scriptures say. Its teaching is that it teaches what the Scriptures say. Its organization is according to what the Scriptures say. Its worship is according to what the, te what the Scriptures say. Its work is according to what the Scriptures say. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ simply does all things, both in word and deed, by the name of Jesus Christ, Colossians 3.17. And any church, regardless of the name on the front door, regardless of what it calls itself, regardless of what it believes about itself, if it is not following the teachings of Jesus Christ, it is not a church that belongs to Him. That may be difficult for a lot of people to understand, but it's the truth. We are to speak as the oracles of God. We are to follow the New Testament teachings. And when God's blueprint, the New Testament, is followed, then the result will always be what God intended for it to be. I was asked by a friend of mine in Pine Bluff many years ago. He was a Catholic. He came to my office at the church building in Pine Bluff, and he sat down, and we were studying together, and he asked me this question. Why is it that there are people in, Little Rock, or in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and people in Los Angeles, California, who are members of the Church of Christ, 
and they believe and teach and practice the same thing, but yet they do not have any earthly organization telling them what they are to believe and what they are to teach. He says, to me, the Catholic Church is much better because it has the Pope, it has these bishops, it has the priests, and everyone, cardinals, and telling everybody what they're to believe. They have this system in which it's passed down authoritatively as to what every church is supposed to believe and teach and practice. He thought that would be much better. No, it's not much better. In fact, it's terrible. What is better is if a church, a group of people who believe in Jesus Christ simply submit to its head. That head is Jesus. It's not the Pope. And if we believe and teach and practice what the Lord Jesus Christ has spoken to us through His Word, then we will be His people. And we will believe, we will teach, and we will practice the same thing. And how a group of people in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and a group of people in Los Angeles, California, can believe, teach, and practice the same thing, is that we all believe and we all believe, we all teach, and we all practice what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Not what the Pope says. That's going to change, by the way, every once in a while. We're to believe what Jesus says, not what some synod or what some council comes out with. There are denominations, they have their councils, they come together and they decide matters such as can women preach. And not only can women preach, but now they are deciding and accepting that women lesbians can preach. Hmm, where did that come from? Didn't come from God, didn't come from Jesus Christ. It is a teaching of man. We must follow the New Testament, the New Testament pattern. The Lord's church is the church Jesus built. The Lord's church began in Acts chapter 2, and we can read about it in the Bible. We can read of its origin. It began actually in the mind of God, according to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. It began in the mind of God in eternity. God purposed that in the church He would be glorified. And when the fullness of time came, Jesus Christ came into the world. Jesus Christ died on the cross. And then Jesus Christ did exactly what He said He would do after He was raised from the dead. He built His church, Matthew 16, verse 18. Upon this rock I will build My church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ is the builder of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Jesus Christ and His teaching is the standard for the church. The doctrine of the church is what Jesus teaches. Its organization is according to Jesus' instructions. Now listen very carefully. The universal church is only made up of all the saved and not denominations or not churches. The Lord's church, the one church that we read about in the Bible, is the church Jesus built. It's made up of individual Christians, all of the saved, all of the saved. Peter is, not was, but is a member of the Lord's church today, right? So is Paul. He is a member of the Lord's body today. He died almost 2,000 years ago, but he's still a part of that same body. You and I, if we are Christians, we are part of that same one body. No earthly organization exists for the Lord's church. He's the head of it. He does not take suggestions from any one of us or from the Pope or anyone else. Jesus Christ is the head of His church. He is the one who has given the instructions and all who follow Him are His. Now, We need to understand the difference between the church universal because when I say there is only one church, the body of Jesus Christ, I'm speaking of the universal church. I'm speaking of the church that Jesus built. I will build my church. Now, those people who were saved, members of that one body, 
When they were saved, for example, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 through 41, those who believed His words were baptized. And verse 47 says, The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They were added to the one body, the universal church of Jesus Christ. But on the day of Pentecost, there was also a local church that was established. It was established in the city of Jerusalem. And at that time, the apostles were over that church, and it began to develop. And from there, in Acts the 8th chapter, you see Christians going out from Jerusalem, and they preached the gospel to everyone that they, went, that they came into contact with. They went everywhere preaching the Word. And there were churches established in other places. Paul was sent out from Antioch. Paul and Barnabas, and they went through Asia, and they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, planting churches in Asia. They taught the gospel. People believed it, and they became saved. And members of the one body, just like those in Jerusalem, same body, but in different places. And those who grouped themselves together, in, whether it be Lydia, or whether it be Antioch, Pisidia, or wherever it may be, or even later and further subsequent journeys of the Apostle Paul in Thessalonica, in Philippi, in Macedonia, in Corinth, in Greece, in Athens. We flew right over the top of Athens be uh, Friday evening. Flew right over the top of, of, of Athens, Greece. There was a church established in these cities where the gospel was preached. And they were organized according to the New Testament pattern. They were to worship according to the teachings of Jesus Christ and the apostles. They were to do the work that the Lord would have them to do. The universal church is made up of all Christians everywhere, built by Jesus Christ. There is only one. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the Savior of the church. The saved are members of His body. There is no earthly organization whatsoever. The churches that belong to Jesus Christ in the local sense are not bound together by some ecclesiastical arm in which, in which they are all joined in, on this planet. They're simply governed by Jesus Christ. Those who have obeyed the gospel wherever they are are members of this one body. They've submitted to the Lord. Now local churches are made up of those who have obeyed the gospel in certain areas. They come together, they agree to join together in fellowship, in worship. They worship in a common assembly like we are assembled this morning. We work out of a common treasury just as we collected this morning to do the work of this congregation. We submit to the common oversight, first and foremost to Jesus Christ, but in the church, in the local churches, you have elders, deacons, and saints. In Acts 14 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas went back through the churches that they had established and they appointed elders, plural, in every city, singular, or in every church, singular. Titus chapter 1 says appointed elders in every city. But in Acts 14 and verse 23, they were to appoint elders in every church. Every local church is to have a plurality of elders, according to the New Testament. In Ephesians, or in Acts, the 20th chapter, verse 28, the Apostle Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. And he tells them to oversee, to feed the flock of God, which they were appointed to by the Holy Spirit. They were to watch over that flock. The local church that follows the New Testament blueprint can be identified by those who know what the Scriptures teach about the church. And there are a variety of ways that we can discern whether a church is following that blueprint or not. We need to realize the importance of following that pattern. 2 Timothy 1.13, the Apostle Paul says, Follow the pattern of sound words which was delivered to you. We must follow that pattern. If we do not follow that pattern, we will teach different things, we will believe different things, and we will practice different things. But if we follow that pattern, as 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 10 through 13 says, we will believe the same things. We will speak the same things. Paul, in fact, asked in verse 10, is the church divided? Verse 13, is the church divided? 
Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, that you all speak the same things. Verse 10. Having no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. How is that possible? We believe the same thing. We follow the same thing. We follow the pattern of the New Testament. You want to know why there's so much division in the, in the religious world? It's because people do not believe and they do not follow the same pattern. If we all follow the same pattern, we're going to be united. We're going to believe, teach, and practice the same thing. What was the New Testament church called? What did they refer to the church as? What are the descriptive terms used regarding the church? How was it organized in the New Testament? I, I, I got a message through Facebook. When I got home, it was from one of those, those fellows that's always wanting to argue with members of the body of Christ about certain things. He's always, in, always critical of the Lord's church. And he wanted to know why we can't just be united on Jesus and forget about the church. He wanted to know why we can't just be united in Jesus and forget about doctrine and teaching. Now, how ridiculous is that? How can you be united in Jesus without following or even knowing His teaching? How can you be united in Jesus and forget about doctrine, forget about the church, forget all about the things that His apostles, whom He ordained, whom He sent into the world, to teach us all things, to teach us to do those things which are commanded, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Go and teach, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We're just supposed to forget what Jesus said about that, and we're supposed to do whatever we want to do and just believe in Jesus. How can you believe in Jesus without believing what He says? That's foolishness. I'm sorry, that's just all it is, foolishness. How and when did the church worship in the New Testament? What work was it involved in? Those are some important questions. What is it called in the New Testament? If it's going to be built upon the New Testament pattern, it will not be called something of human design or something that gives human beings glory. For example, the Methodist church, that's a rather generic term, Methodist, it's emphasizing the mythology of what is to be done, but of course it's not based upon the Scripture. John and Charles Wesley were men who were part of the Reformation movement. And they established what eventually became known as the Methodist Church. Now they were generally Arminians. From their perspective, they were not Calvinist or uh, those who believed or rejected free will, they Methodists uh, at least accepted free will, but they, they became known as the Methodist Church. Now, who does that give glory to? Or the Presbyterian Church, which points the finger at the, uh, the leadership. The word Presbyterian comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which is translated elder in the New Testament. So you could say, what's well, the elder church? <laughs> the elder church. Actually, that is the church that is based upon the teachings of John Calvin. Calvinistic. That's not the blueprint of the New Testament. It's the blueprint that John Calvin gave. The Baptist Church. John, a fellow named John Smith is the originator of the Baptist Church. But the Baptist Church acknowledges a practice that distinguishes them from other churches. And I will say this. Listen, truth is truth. I don't care where you hear it from. If it's true, it's true. And at least the Baptist got this right, that immersion is baptism in the New Testament, immersion in water. But they reject its purpose, they reject its reasoning, they reject it as salvific. They do not believe that baptism is what Jesus said that it was. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. They don't believe that. They believe he who believes is saved and then they ought to be baptized later. That's not according to the pattern. The Catholic Church, unity, one, they leave the Lord out of it, though. 
apostolic church, Lutheran church, named after Martin Luther. That's Episcopalian. That's another one that's pointing back to the elders. The, Episco the word episcopus is the Greek word translated bishop in our New Testament. Pentecostal, that's the day. Had a question in Moshe Tanzania from a, from, a, from a man who called all of his friends and neighbors together for a Bible study. And we were there to teach. He was like Cornelius in the Bible. He had a house full of friends, family, and neighbors. And he asked, why should the church not be called the Pentecostal church? He was a Pentecostal. Good question. The church did begin on the day of Pentecost. But the Pen day of Pentecost was a Jewish feast day. The day of Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. The day of Pentecost is the day that the church began. But Pentecost did not start the church. It did not build the church. It has not saved the church. Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the builder. Why would you want to point at somebody else or something else or a day or practice? Family church, emphasis on family. Where's Jesus? Et cetera, et cetera. What is it called in the Bible? We see that the New Testament church gives glory to Jesus Christ. All of these names simply reflect distinction of beliefs and practices. All of these names or designations reflect division and schism and carnality. All of these names reflect a human standard of authority. Every one of them. The church of God, which is at Corinth, belonged to God in Christ Jesus. Listen. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to God. Because Jesus said, whatever is mine is the Father's, and whatever is the Father's is mine. And so if you belong to God, you belong to Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to God the Father. The church of the Thessalonians were ones who received the gospel of Jesus Christ. They believed it and obeyed it, and they had turned away from idols. And then they went out teaching others the gospel of Jesus Christ. The churches of Galatia were to follow that one gospel, Galatians 1, 6 through 9. The churches of the saints in 1 Corinthians 14.33 is the same church, by the way, as far as belonging to God as the church there in Corinth. They all belong to God in Christ Jesus. As Romans 16.16 16 says, the churches of Christ salute you. The scriptural designation of a church is not necessarily accurate. Just because somebody says they are a church of Christ doesn't make it so. We have a lot of churches today who believe they are a church belonging to Christ. They believe, in fact, they have a sign that says, a church of Christ. That doesn't make it so. The church of Christ is not determined by what the sign says. The church of, if a church belongs to Christ, it is determined by what they believe, what they teach, and what they practice. If they're following Jesus Christ, then they are of Him. They are His church. My friend, that goes for us as well. If we are not teaching, believing, or practicing the things of Jesus Christ, we are not a church of Christ. Even though we have a sign out front, doesn't make it true unless we are truly following Jesus. We need to think about, okay, what does the church say of itself? There was a cartoon years ago. Uh, was Bob, uh, I can't remember his last name right now. I, did, I knew it. I know it very well. But I remember his cartoons that used to come out in Gospel uh, and Truth Magazine and others. But uh, there's this sign painter that's asked to paint a sign on the front of a church building. And the preacher or pastor or whatever he is says, What difference does it, was, does it make what we call ourselves? There's nothing in a name. Episcopalians, Baptists. Lutherans, Methodists, we all follow Christ just in different directions or different ways. So the sign painter says, Church of Christ. We all follow Christ. So he took Church of Christ. Hey, that's not the right name. If you follow Christ, aren't you members of his church? Well, we are, but we aren't. What, what, what I mean is, oh, I understand. So the sign painter says, not a Church of Christ. And now the, the, he's upset because the Church of Christ was on the door. Now he's upset because it says not a church of Christ. Well, which one is it? Listen, the church of Christ is not determined, though, by what it says on the door. It's determined by what we do, what we believe. 
what we teach. What do we teach? Do we teach God's plan of salvation? What a person must do in order to be saved? Or do we teach what, what the world teaches? Ah, uh, just do some good stuff, and if your do, good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. No, the Bible doesn't teach that. That's salvation by works, actually. We need to speak as the oracles of God. The alien sinner is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But the only way he can believe that is to hear the gospel. Romans 10, verse 14. How can you call upon him in whom you have not believed? And how can you believe in him if you've not heard? And how can you hear without a preacher? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel and bring glad tidings of good things. But as the scripture says, all have not believed our report. They've not obeyed the gospel. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Have we heard the gospel? Have we believed the gospel? Have we believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? John 8, 24. Except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Belief and confession. Belief is unto salvation. Righteousness is unto, or confession is unto salvation. Luke 13, 3 through 5, or 3 and 5. Repent or perish. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17, 30. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. My friend, not a man on earth. Not a man on earth has the right to change what Jesus said. Not you or anyone else. And those who belong to Christ simply believe what he says and do and does what he says. Baptism. 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism also does now save us. It's not what a lot of folks say. The Christian who sins, as Brother Rufus Thor said in, his, in the prayer earlier, we need and we must repent and confess our sins as Christians. And the Lord will forgive us of our sins. 1 John chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10. We need to live holy lives. I'm just going to roll through these real quickly. A lot of churches forget all about the holy living. It's faith only. The church that belongs to the Lord. The people who belong to the Lord. Express their desire to follow the divine authority of Scripture. We establish what we believe by what is said. We do not say, well, God didn't say we couldn't do that. God didn't say not to do that. We say, well, where is the divine authority for it? Where does the Lord say and authorize us to do this? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. We must do what we do by faith. And that is only established by what the Lord says, not by what he hasn't said. The plea for unity upon what the Bible says, not on what our opinion is. A local church is to be built upon these principles. We need to live holy. We need to teach and we need to follow divine authority. And we need to plead for unity upon what the Bible says. We need to be organized according to the New Testament Scripture. There were scripturally unorganized churches in Acts 14 and verse 27. They did not have elders and deacons. But later Paul and Barnabas went back through and appointed elders in every church. And we have the qualifications for these men in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and also Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. But earthly churches, worldly churches, carnal churches have a pyramid form of government by men that attaches all their churches together. They have an earthly headquarters. They have regional management. They have clergy, laity, pastor, flock distinctions. In the New Testament, you have the apostles and prophets who laid the foundation according to Ephesians 4.11. He gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. The apostles and prophets were part of the structure through their writings, through their teaching. They are the foundation. The elders, the elders and the deacons and the saints 
make up the organization of a local church. Elders, plural, in every city, in every church. Titus 1, 5 and also Acts 14, 23. You have these elders being the leaders of a local church. That local church. No other churches. Local churches are to be autonomous, that is, self-governing. Deacons are to serve and for, and fill in the roles of service so that the elders could focus on the spiritual needs of the flock. Saints are to be taught and nourished by the teaching of the elders and participate in sharing and helping and worshiping and serving. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of His church. And in local churches, He is to be the head over each local church. The elders are to look to Jesus for His teaching. And they are to feed the local church. And that local church is to follow the teaching of Jesus Christ as taught. In Kaori, Kaori, Kenya, they have elders there in that congregation. We were thrilled to learn that they had elders. They have only been in existence for about five years. They have elders. And they are growing in their grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are organized according to the New Testament blueprint. The elders in Conway and in, in, at Highway 65 and Prince Street also in, in Conway helped support me in my trip over to Africa. But they sent the money to me, and they supported the effort that we put forth there in Africa. But Highway 65 did not contact the elders here and work together with them. The churches are completely autonomous and self-governing. They didn't ask permission from the elders. They didn't ask permission from the church here in Little Rock and Fairview or anyone else. We are autonomous bodies. Pastors, bishops, or elders, same, those three terms refer to the same office over each local church. That's the organization of the New Testament. Today we have a lot of different churches de designed and operated completely different from that. The scriptural worship of the church, studying God's Word, singing praises together, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. We follow the New Testament pattern. We pray together. We give of our means as a, a congregation supporting its own work. Observing the Lord's Supper. These are the things we are to do as God's people. And we are to give and we are to observe the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week just as they did in the Bible. We're following the blueprint when we do what they did. These are scriptural things. This is what the pattern says. In the New Testament, the church is to edify itself by teaching God's Word. There can be no edification where there is no understanding. Edification is the result of people understanding better God's Word. Benevolence to needy saints. We are to take care of our own. We are to share of our needs to provide the needs of others. And brethren all over the world, we can help relieve needy saints. We are to evangelize and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. We are to preach God's Word, just like they did in the New Testament. Christians take it upon themselves, Acts 8 and verse 4, but congregations like 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, the church at Thessalonica preached the gospel throughout the entire region so that the apostles had to say nothing because it was already taught. Evangelism. That's the work of the church. No entertainment, no recreation. That's not a part of God's purpose and work of the church. God's church is spiritual, not carnal. Righteousness, the kingdom of righteousness, is not food and drink, but righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. Many churches engage in things that can't be found. Secular education, politics, and etc., entertainment, rec recreation, family life centers, all of these things that take a lot of money to support These things are not the work of the church, not according to the New Testament. We need to follow the New Testament blueprint. 
not man's blueprint. When God's blueprint for His church is followed, the result will always be what God intended for it to be. And when we change that blueprint in any way, we find ourselves doing something that is not authorized of God. It is not from God. If we're following God's blueprint, we will embrace scriptural God-honoring descriptions. We will embrace things that honor God and recognize the importance of the church. Jesus gave His life for it. We will teach and defend the teachings of Jesus Christ, regardless of being persecuted, regardless of whether our numbers of physical members grow or not. We rejoice in spreading the gospel and one coming to a knowledge of the truth and obeying the gospel and being saved. We teach and defend the teachings of Jesus regardless of what it may cost us. We will seek to be organized as the New Testament instructs. And by the way, any additions and alterations to the organizational structure of the New Testament church is the result always of the church doing something that it ought not be doing. We will worship in spirit and truth. John 4. 23 and 24. And we will practice only what can be found in the New Testament. Our plea is for a complete return to the New Testament pattern. To follow the blueprint. Then and only then can we know that we are of God. That we are indeed a church belonging to Jesus Christ. We are of the Lord. Only if we follow the Lord. We need book, chapter, and verse for everything we teach, everything we believe, and everything we practice. We need to follow the Scriptures, speak as the oracles of God. We need to call Bible things by Bible names, and we need to do Bible things in Bible ways. We need to follow the pattern. That's what we must do if we're going to be pleasing to the Lord. Are you willing and are you desiring to return to the Bible? Follow the blueprint. For your life personally as a Christian, a child of God, a member of the universal body of Christ, and as a member of a local church, working together with that local church, following the Scriptures and only the Scriptures and nothing else. Let us build upon the blueprint that God has given us and not the blueprints that man have come up with in time. Thank you. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never rendered obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The plan of salvation is just as it was in Acts 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you believed? Have you repented? Have you confessed that Jesus is the Son of God? Have you been baptized into Him? Are you following according to His path? If we can help you in any way, please come as we stand. As we stand.